All right. If you've got your Bible, turn over to, all these were great. Turn over to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at the first seven verses, and we're going to look at this tonight. Lost and found. Lost and found. That lost part's a little risky, but I tell you what, it's nice to be found. Amen. We're going to look at the set first seven verses. This is part of a three-parable uh, series that Jesus spoke. And here's what it says. It says in verse 1, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he had found it, he layeth it on his, or it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7 says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Lost and found. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we, Lord, was pursued by you, that you reached down, that you came and found us right where we are, Lord, that you love us, almighty God, so much that you come and pursued us. And God, I pray tonight you would open up your word and you would encourage us to thank you and see what you did for us. And then, Lord, that we would reach out even for others. God, you move, and Holy Spirit, you speak, and you have your way tonight. And we thank you for this opportunity. In your name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Lost and found. I was thinking about, and I know there's probably many examples, but I was thinking of lost and found in my life recently as I was praying. I, I had two things down here, but I remembered one that was recent. I think I might have told about this, but I preached on a Sunday morning. And uh, probably about a month or six weeks ago, and when I went home, I laid down and took a nap. And when I got up that afternoon, I couldn't find my glasses. And uh, while I was, I've, I've got, and I, I've thought in my mind as I was sleeping, I thought I heard them hit the ground. So as I was laying there half asleep, the, uh, I, I thought, well, when I get up, I'll find them. I got up and I looked under the bed, around the bed, under sheets, inside the pillows. I spent hours because these were my new glasses and my other ones didn't do as well. And so I was really, I'd paid a little bit of money for these glasses. I was tore up. Yeah. And, uh, and it, I finally gave up. I tried it so long, I just gave up. Well, thank the Lord, he gave me. I, I got ready that night to go back to bed late that night and I decided to plug up my cell phone to charge it. And when I did, it was kind of, the cord had kind of fell back off the dresser. I didn't know what had happened. Why in the world is my cord off? So I got looking over, and I'd looked over this, this dresser or this nightstand before. I'd pulled it out and looked, but I hadn't looked far enough because the, uh, the, they got caught on one of my charging cables, and when the glasses fell, they fell off the back of the nightstand and lodged right against the back of the dresser on a cord flat against it and I would have never found it of course the Lord helped me find it but I was so glad they were found I was so glad they were found 
Have you ever lost anything? Maybe you've, maybe you've been lost. Maybe you've been lost. It's a scary thing to be lost. I remember, I, I can think, of, I thought of one time that something valuable was lost. If you read the next part of this, this is actually like a trilogy of parables. This, is this, this chapter, if you read the whole chapter, is talking about the lost sheep. Then it talks about the lost coin. And then it talks about the lost son. And if you read this, the, the, the next one is the lost coin. And there, this woman is searching for a coin. I remember when I was a graduated from high school, I remember mom and dad gave me, and it was a lot of money back then. I, I remember how much, but it would have been worth several hundred dollars now. It was a lot of money back then to get my classroom. And they, was, they, just, had, I, they just said, I need, I, you need to have your classroom. I guess they had theirs, and I needed to have it. I had my class ring. I worked at Quick Stop, and I had my class ring about three days. Three days. And I, and I washed a lot of dishes, cleaned up kitchen, did the store, did a lot of work. And late that night before I went home, I got noticing my class ring's gone. And I was like, I looked the store over. And in fact, here it is. It was 1230 at night. Store had been closed for a while. And I remember finding myself upside down in a dumpster trying to find that ring because I could not think to go home and tell mom and dad I've just lost all your money three days and it's already I never found the class ring I never did find it so it was lost and never found and so sometimes there's in spiritual situations we don't want that to be the case we know a lot of people that's lost and we are we're depending and we're just saying God we've got to save them but we're going to look at tonight a little bit about how the Lord responded. What did the Lord do? I mean, we're sitting in your church and we want people to get saved and we're praying about people getting saved and we, we want to see them come through those back doors, right? Yes, we do. But that's not what the Lord did. The Lord didn't wait for them to come to Him. He went to them. That's what He did. And we see here, we see here in, in the first verse there, then drew near unto Him all the publicans. That's those tax collectors. Yes. That's them God-forsaken tax collectors that these that these Pharisees hated. They hated the Jews, hated these tax collectors. Matthew was one of those. Yeah. And, and it says that they're all coming and sinners to hear Jesus. Why were they coming to hear Jesus? Why, why, was, why was this droves of sinners and people who normally would have ran from these Pharisees, why are they coming to hear Jesus? It, it, it tore the Pharisees all to pieces because here comes all these people that they considered unclean and they didn't want to, in fact, their, their rabbinical teaching taught them you can't be around people like that. We have people that in, in their lives are shipwrecked and their lives are messes, but they need the Lord. There's people who's done things that even, you know, you start going through a list of people, could God have saved Hitler? Could God have saved Charles Manson? You look at some people and you write them off. You're like, no, that person's just too far gone. But God loves people's souls just like he loves yours and, yeah, and mine. But we see that it says here that these sinners came to him. It, the difference was this. They had heard people preach before. They'd heard these Pharisees that was probably telling them, you sinners and, and forsake your sin and you need, you know, your, you know, where you're going and all that stuff. And, and so they, they were used to hearing that they were evil. They were used to hearing that they were sinners. But something was different about Jesus the way he taught. 
There was something different about Jesus and it aggravated these Pharisees so much because we see this in verse 2. It says, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth, that word means welcomed. He received welcome. He wanted to be close to these sinners and eateth with them. Well, this was absolutely the polar opposite of what the religious world did at that time. Their idea was you need to turn from your sin and you come and you repent and maybe God will forgive you, but we're not coming anywhere near you. But Jesus' heart was so different. They'd never seen anything like it. This was a man of God who was giving the word of God with such authority that it caught. They heard that the way he talked was so powerful because he was talking with authority. He talked to someone who knew what he was talking about. It's pretty, if you've ever been in a class, I used to, I had a class in, at Sue Bennett when I was, uh, first started college, and, and I had a teacher that she taught her science classes so well that I took more science classes just to be in her class. Because when she taught, it was with passion. And when she taught, you sat on the edge of your seat. I'd never seen an instructor like that before. Because she was so, when she talked about photosynthesis, it was like it was the best thing in the world. And I was like, wow, because she was talking like, and she drew you in. And Jesus, when he talked to these people, they knew the way he, that not only what he was saying, but there was a second side of it. It was how he was saying it. When he looked at them, he yes, he gave them the word of God. And he gave them the good news that there is price to pay for sin. But the good news, and he gave them the good news, and he looked at them with eyes of love and hope. Said They realized this guy loves us. This guy wants to see something change in us, and he drew people. They flocked around him because no one had ever been like that before. They'd always been rejected and cast out in the scum of the earth. And this man was a religious man that was speaking. He was God speaking to them and they were drew to him like a magnet. We see that that didn't have a very good response. Because the, as I said, the teaching of that time and even later, I'm going to read you something that was in the first century. This was then a hundred years later or more. This was written, this is part of the uh, a prayer of the Pharisees. This was a prayer of the Pharisees a hundred years later, and here's what their prayer was. You'll, you'll find a scripture that this is similar to. Here's what they said. I thank you, Lord my God, that you have set my portion with those who sit in the sanctuary and not with those who sit on street corners. I rise early, and they rise early. I rise to attend the word of Torah, and they rise to attend to futile things. I exert myself, and they exert themselves. I exert myself and receive a reward. And they exert themselves and receive no reward. I run and they run. I run to life in the world to come. And they run to the pit of destruction. So even a hundred years later, this, 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 uh, the Pharisees were still so self-centered and self-righteous, they didn't have love for anybody else. They were only looking at how righteous they were and how uh, wicked everyone else is. But that's not the way Jesus... This, this, that reminded me, and when you read that, of the parable that Jesus talked about of the, of the publican, that tax collector, his prayer when he was humbling himself before God. And it says he came and he, he, he was weeping before God. His, he, was, he kept his head down to the ground and he couldn't even as much lift up his head. And he was beating on his chest and talking about what a sinner he was. He was ashamed of who he was. 
And then standing off to his left was a Pharisee who says, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this sinner in this over here. You know what his prayer should have been? Oh, Lord, forgive me, a sinner, and make me like this publican who's repenting. And so this, this, is the, this is the contrast of what Jesus does and what the world does. And, and, I, and we, we want people to get saved. We want, we want some of these people that we're, we care about and these people that we're trying to reach, we want them to get saved. But I'm here to tell you that from Jesus' example, he didn't wait for them to come to him. He went to them. And so you need to, as we look at this tonight, we can see that there is, the Lord can use you to love and to reach out and to reach people right where they are because they are lost. And sometimes in this parable and the one following it, if someone hadn't gone after the sheep, the sheep would have perished. If someone hadn't been looking for the coin that was lost, the coin would have been lost forever. And so we see that that was the key piece of this is that there has to be someone to go. And Jesus models everything he does for his disciples and to us so that we see his plan and the way that he went after people. It says in verse 3, and they spake, and, and he spake his answer to them. When he, he knows everything, by the way. He knew that, and plus they were saying it probably out loud. They're gasping. He's eating with these sinners, who does he think he is? And so here's Jesus. Jesus always did everything he did. He taught in parables, such a, a powerful thing so that you remember it. They show the parables, and when you tell stories, and, and you talk about, and, and it's not just talk about the issue, but you bring it into a story form, it's, it shows that the firing starts happening on both sides of your brain, and you retain things better. So Jesus taught in such a powerful way when he taught in parables. And here's the parable he gave them. He says to them, what man of you, and it's actually plural, of you all, you is plural, what man of you all, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. We see here that Jesus is showing his heart of love and thank God this is the case because if they were really to answer this, if you had a hundred sheep and you lost just one, any business that you have, if your loss is just 1%, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good ratio. Right. If your loss is just 1%, you're doing a good job. Good. And so, these, and so these, these Pharisees that he's talking about or, or today, they, they could be saying, you know what, if I leave my sheep, it's dark out there, by the way, it's dark, and I could, something could happen to me. And it was. It was dangerous to go out after looking for the sheep at night. They also could be worried about, if I leave these sheep, something could happen to them. I could lose more than going after that. They could make excuses and say, well, 99 is still a pretty good number. I'll just, I'll just stick where I am. But that's not the Lord. Thank God that he came after the one which could, was me. And at another time it was you. That he came after the one. He said, no, I want you. I, am not, I don't care. Now, that, so some of us may look at it and say, well, he left the 90 and 9. Well, if you look at st really at the, the, the standard of what normally happened then, in the evening when they would bring their sheep in, that usually there would be a larger sheep fold, and several shepherds would all bring their sheep into the fold together. And in fact, one of the, one of the uh, stories that Jesus tells, he talks about when he talks about being the shepherd, he talks about that, and they all bring them into the fold together. 
and they then that night they're able together to watch to make sure wolves don't try to get into the pen. The next morning when it's time to leave, the shepherd, because he loves his sheep, he's had a relationship with his sheep, he's grew up with these sheep, and every time that they had something that needed to be tended, he would, want, uh, would bandage them up and, and carry them until they were well enough. He, they know him so well. They know, they know how his heart beats, much less the way his voice sounds. And there was the way that the, the shepherds would either have a tune that they would sing, they would have a chant that they would say, or they would have a certain call that they would make, and they would step out of the fold, and when they spoke, or whatever they did, those sheep said, That's, there's my shepherd, and they would follow after him. But we see here that Jesus says, and so these sheep would have been safe, but he says, I am so concerned over the one I'm willing to go out of my way. I'm willing to put myself in danger. I'm willing to do whatever to go find that one sheep where they are. I was reading about a, a, a shepherd talked about, uh, a real shepherd was talking about how these sheep get lost and how talks about how they're kind of simple-minded and all they're worried about is eating. And it says that they eat one tuft of grass and then they look in front of them and there's another one and they just keep moving forward and eating another one and they eat another one not realizing that one of the tufts of grass was actually through a crack in the fence and before they know it, they keep going and going and going until it's getting dark, and then they realize, where's everybody else at? <laughs> where's that? They, and isn't that the way we get? You know, I was thinking about being lost. No one, I don't think any of you all have ever got your GPS. By the way, GPS is the best thing in the world. It's just one of my favorite things in the entire world is when GPS came out. I hated Dad Love Maps. I hated maps and atlases in my car. I hated to try to navigate with those things. Dad sailed through it. I hated it. I, was, I didn't like going anywhere because I knew I was going to get lost. I hated that. But GPSs are awesome. But let me, I, I venture to guess you tonight, not one of you has said, navigate to lost. We don't, our destination is never lost. Now, you may get to lost, but that's not where you intended to get. We don't want to get lost. But there's times that we sometimes end up there. A sinner does one thing and it's not too far. You might even have been a Christian like me. You take one little decision and you're still pretty close. You make another decision. Every time you're moving farther and farther away until one time you look up and you can't even see where you started anymore. And that's the way our lives get. We're like that sheep. That, that's not where we intended to be. We didn't intend to wander into lost. But we find ourselves there. And it's a scary place. It's a scary place because many times we don't know how to get back. We don't know how to get where we were. We just know we're lost. And I remember that feeling of being lost and fearful of what would happen if the Lord come back that night. I knew I wasn't in good shape at all. I was in trouble. But I didn't know how to exactly get back. I mean, I knew how to get back, but I felt like it was too late. And so it's a scary place to be lost. This writing is, was really, when it was written, was really cutting. Um, it was very rare. This is something that the Hebrews, or not the Hebrews, but the church, the the. Uh, that the era this was written in, this was not the way people looked at God. Because here's something about it. There was a writer whose name was a, he was a very famous uh, Jewish New Testament scholar. His name was C.G. 
uh, Montefiore. And it says that when the, this was revolutionary because rabbis would have agreed that God would welcome a repentant sinner. But here's where the rub was. The ideal that God seeks sinners was something they'd never contemplated before. God comes after a sinner. We see that in the, the third story when Jesus or when the father runs after the, the lost son who's coming home. It was unheard of. It was undignified. And so we see the heart of God here that he comes to where you are, that he pursues you in your lostness. And that's the most amazing thing because if he hadn't have pursued me in my lostness, I'd still be out there or I would be dead because I was so far gone. I knew what was right. I couldn't find my way back. I didn't know how to get back. I was lost and miserable and scared. And the world had chains around me. And I didn't know what to do. And some of these people that we're caring about, some of these people that we're praying for, they don't know how to get back. They know where this church is. But their life is so shipwrecked. Their life is so bound with sin. Their life is so totally different than yours. They don't know how to get where you are. And so the Lord is saying the only way it's going to happen is someone has to go to where they are. Someone has to start ministering to them. Someone has to go and pursue them and keep trying and keep looking. He wouldn't give up. This, this shepherd was going to look for that lost sheep until he find it. And so it was a different concept. And it wasn't. The, the, we see that Jesus also gives the difference in John chapter 10. He compares the good shepherd with that hireling. You know that, that person that's getting paid by the hour. You ever had a business? Uh, I've got about 70-some people. And I, I'm not going to talk about, it, uh, about any of them. But we've, I've, we've, we have a bunch of people. So if you've ever employed people, uh, and I've, I had a business, I'll do this. I had a business in computers years ago, and I had a, a, a place that uh, a friend of mine and I had a computer store. And we, we both had other jobs, and we paid people to work in the computer store. Well, one thing I found out really quickly was, because I would work 16 hours a day if I could in that computer store, because that, that was what I was trying to build. And, but when you pay somebody else by the hour, they don't seem to care as much as you do. They're just going to do what they have to do. They're just going to get by. And so Jesus compares the, the, the hireling and the good shepherd. He, he shows you the difference. Here's what it is in John chapter 10, verse 11. It says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling, not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, Seeth the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he's an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. And the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The difference is, is how much you care. The difference is, is how much God loves us is that he said, I love you so much that you have ran from me, that you have pursued things that you shouldn't have. You're so lost. You don't even know how to get back. But I love you so much. I'm coming to where you are so that I can touch you. Not one of us got saved because we got smart enough to find our way back. If you got saved, God was pursuing you and drawing you back. Oh, what a heart God has. And so, and I think when he teaches us this stuff, he wants us to have that heart. Lord, do I love people enough to go where they are? 
Do I love people enough to pursue them even where they are? To try to invest in people? To let them know that I care about them so that we can lead them to Christ? Because this is the last stop, not the first. So we've got to see the way he responded to them. Verse 5 says, And when he had found the sheep, he didn't quit till he found the sheep. It didn't matter how dark it was. It didn't matter how cold it was. And when he found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he's seen it, and it's probably bruised, and maybe it's been in a thicket, and it's probably bleeding a little bit, and it's, it's, it's dirty, and it's, and it's probably thirsty, and it's scared, and probably shaking, and it hears the wolves crying, and it, it knows it's probably time is short because it's not got anything to protect it. But when he finds it, instead of him coming up to it and scolding it, smacking it, shaking it, a smile comes over his face. I found you. I found you, my joy. And he comes and scoops up the sheep and he tends to its wounds and he cleans it up. He finds a stream to give it clear, cool water and then he puts it upon his shoulders with a smile beaming upon his standing straight. He's walking home with the sheep that he's lost. It's no longer lost, but now it's found. He puts it, the weight of the sheep upon his own shoulders. Isn't that what he did for us at Calvary? Is he took the weight of our sins. He took the weight of the fact that we ran from him and that we were fleeing from him and the things that we did. And even with a smile on his face, it says, for the joy that was set before him, the joy, what joy, the cross that he was going to have to suffer so that he could save you and me, the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despising the chain, but he stayed there. He went through it all. Why? Because he loves us. That's the shepherd that we serve. He loves us so much, he's willing to do whatever. And when he finds us, great joy erupts in his heart. Isn't that the way it should be in our life? Is that when we are able to reach out and minister for the Lord and do things and say things and just be there to do things for people and they say, why are you doing this? Because I just because I'm a Christian or because I love you. I just want you to know this is what Christians do. Whatever. God will open opportunities for you. And so people can see how the Lord responds. And we, they can see. And it says here that when you do this, joy fills your heart. He's rejoicing. He's, he's rejoicing, not that he stayed up all night, not that he went through all this, but because he has able to rescue certain death from the sheep. Amen. When we see God's love for us and that he finds us in the depths of our sin, and instead of ridiculing us and, and, and telling us, what were you thinking? No, he tells us how much he loves us. He lifts us out of the miry clay. He, he binds our wounds and cleans us. He, he puts our weight upon his shoulders and, and he carries us and, and he takes care of us and he takes us home. There, there is a verse in Isaiah 46, 4 that talks about Jesus carrying you all the days of your life. Listen to this. Even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, I will carry and will save. You know what he's saying? All through your life, even to the end of your life, I'm the one carrying you. I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that saved you. 
and I'm the one that's going to take you home. And so we can thank him. Our shepherd loves us that much that he reached out and found us when we weren't worthy. Verse 6 says, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. There's a rejoicing that's going to happen because that he has found his sheep lost and found. I was reading a, a little story about a man that was so lost, and boy, did he get found. His name was very familiar to you. You may not know this about him, but as a young man, J.C. Penney was in a, he's in an asylum. He was in a mental hospital. He suffered from incredibly deep depression. He didn't know, they couldn't do anything with him. It looked like a hopeless cause. And he just, he had given up hope. But there was a commotion one Sunday morning in the hospital. He heard it down the hall and he didn't know what was going on. And he put his robe on. And he wandered down the hall until he found the source of the noise. And it was a chapel. And people were in there. And when he went in there, he heard them singing about putting their trust in the Lord. J.C. Penney was the son of a Baptist preacher. He knew about the Lord. But as he heard those songs and people putting their trust in the Lord, tears started flowing down his face. He remembered. And so he stepped forward and he said, Lord, I put my trust in you. And he, he was miserable where he was at. And he reached out in that lost condition in a place that seemed so far from God. And when he did, God gloriously saved him. God changed his life and turned it around to such a degree he came out of that hospital. He became such a successful businessman that I think he started, I forget the statistics, this wasn't in the story I was reading about him, but he started out giving 10 and 20 and I think 30 of his business, the profits. He was giving to the Lord and he started out, everybody, you know, 10%, that's tithes. So he gave, and he, God just kept blessing him. He gave 20. God kept blessing him. 30, 40, 50, 60. Finally, at the end, he, he inverted it. He was given 90% of all of his profits to God and keeping the 10, and God just kept blessing him. What was the difference? I mean, this man went through his whole life until his point at 95 when he finally died. He's still trusting in the Lord, the same God he found in that asylum, in that, in that mental hospital where he was so lost. What happened? The Lord made his way down to him. The Lord said, I know exactly where you are. You can't get to me, but I can get to you. And he reached down and he changed a life. Aren't you so glad that he came to you? Aren't you so glad that he came to you? And so there is this, this nation is filled with hurting people. Hurting people. People who's giving up hope. People who's thinking and contemplating giving up. And so today, I'm just, I just challenges that we see that God wants not only His Holy Spirit and Him to go forward, He wants us to be those vessels that, that goes out and just says things to people. I just want you to know that God loves you. I just want to do something for you. I want to give you something, whatever. And I just want you to know God loves you. You never know. Those little bitty, those people singing that song in front of J.C. Penney would have never dreamed what impact it was going to have on even a nation and a, a business and on the financial world. What an what a incredible story 
Jesus tells us about caring as I'm about to close. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 24 and 25, he said, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For we as sheep going astray are now, are, uh, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. He is the one that took us and carried us and bore our sin on that tree. And he is the one that's going to lead us home. Verse 7 tells us the response in heaven whenever a soul gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ. It says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner, one sinner that repenteth more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. Is that verse saying to us that it doesn't matter, that the Lord is more happy over, He's not really that concerned over people who live right, that He's more worried about those that He comes after? He's talking, you've got to look at who He's talking about. He's talking to the Pharisees. They're looking at Him and saying, I don't need you. I'm self-righteous all by myself. And he said in there saying to them, God is the, the heart of God is going after these people whose heart is broken, who have given up hope and are asking, is there anybody who loves me or cares about me? Is there any hope for me? That's the heart of God. It's not the one that says, I don't need you. I'm good enough just the way I am. So God wants to pursue. God loves everyone. But God is going after those that are broken. God, if you look, when, even when he says, he gives us the great commission, go ye into all the, the, you know, the highways, the byways. Amen. And so he, he tells us to go. Don't just stay in her. Don't stay just here and get, greet them if they get in the parking lot. We can reach out to them right where they are. When you get to your job, there's a mission field. When you get out to the store, there's your mission field. When someone treats you bad, you can tell when somebody doesn't want to do, don't you, can't you tell, I, I was on the phone this morning early as I'm closing with someone that was, I was talk, talking to a bank representative on the phone over an issue. And when I was talking to them, I could tell pretty quickly they didn't really care to be doing what they were doing. They just were a, kind of a miserable person. Have you ever just tried to be super nice to somebody that's doing something like that? They're being kind of snotty. Try it sometime. Just be nice to them. Say something nice. Uh, and you'll start seeing that it will that you can you can actually witness to people just by just bringing up the Lord or just saying, well, I, yeah, if it wasn't for the Lord, I wouldn't I wouldn't have I wouldn't be able to do anything if it wasn't for the Lord. Things like that. I'm just saying, people are miserable without God, and we need to take it to them. We need to be that representative that reaches out and goes out and represents the Lord. Amen. Thank God He came after us. Thank God he's not done with us yet. And so he wants to reach the lost more than we do. What are we going to do about it? Lost and found. Lost and found. Let's stand tonight. Amen. Let's just, as we dismiss tonight, let's just spend a moment, first of all, thanking him for what he did when he found us. And then saying, Lord, now use me to reach out to others that you want to reach. And use me. I make myself available. And, and He will. Amen. Lord, I thank You, Lord, for the truth of Your Word. I thank You, Lord, that You reach down so far when You come after me. And God, I thank You, Lord, that You're, 
Lord, every single person that's here tonight, you reached down and got a hold of them, Lord. We weren't worthy. We weren't, Lord, looking for you, God. We were running from you. And, Lord, you pursued us. Even in the midst of our sin, God, you pursued us. And you loved us. And you reached down in that miry clay. Thank you, God, that you did that. That, Lord, I wasn't worthy, but you come after me. And you showed your love for me and drew me back so that you could pick me up and dust me off and wash me clean and carry me. And, Lord, you're still carrying me. And I thank you for that, Lord. And, God, I pray that, God, you would give us a desire, Lord, that we could see that our heart would pound, Lord, for other souls. And, God, you would give us opportunities. God, that we would reach out and be a vessel that you could use, Lord, to reach others' hearts and others' lives. God, to be an impact, Lord, that would draw them to you. Oh, God, let them see you through us. And, God, let your spirit go before us. And your Holy Ghost, Lord, that would deal with people's hearts. Because, God, time is short. And, God, we want to see the lost saved. But, God, we need to get out the doors to do it. And, God, I pray that you would do a mighty work. And, God, that you would draw. And, God, open doors that no man can shut. 